As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. episode of Android's Dungeon. JJB, back in the house. The house. Do, do house. The house? Lots of games today. Tons of games. So many games. You house, that's what it says. That we don't even know what to talk about. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario, Canada. You might be listening to us live at CFRU.ca, or maybe you're listening to us not so live because we're dead. Just kidding. Unless we die sometime between this episode and the next in some sort of tragic uh, incident where people will be looking back at, like, you know, those those YouTube clips, Joel's like top 10 moments before disaster strikes. And now there's, <laughs> there's memes of those kind of floating around as well. You know, after you watch one, you just can't stop. You know, it's like Pringles <laughs> <laughs> once you pop. I think of Lay's. You know, remember those Mark Messier ones? Bet oh, yeah. But you can't, yeah. Bet bet you can't, you can't, can't watch one won. person die instantly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or take a picture as a train's coming behind them. Uh, come on. Who gets, who, <laughs> what, what do you think was going to happen on that one? It's one thing to be Sometimes like. Sometimes you wonder yeah. what was how 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 did they end up? Sometimes it's not so bad. It's like somebody tries to do a backflip off a boat and you know hits their back on the way down or something. I don't know. <laughs> it all sounds awful to me. Or like a as long as there's not like a person like doing a hang loose and there's just a shark just coming out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, before I got distracted, you uh, favorite podcast websites. Search out Androids Dungeon. Do not be fooled by imitators. There might be one or two floating around there, but they do not have nearly the creative output that we have. This episode is sponsored by nobody. Nobody. Uh, maybe Dollar Shave Club. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, Give us money. I don't even know if you can get that in Canada. Can you? Um, what do you think when, when podcasts do these ads? Are you okay with them doing it at the start? The problem is I've been, I've been traveling a lot and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. A lot of them cut it about two-thirds of the way in. So you really want to listen to the last part of the podcast. When you say but cut you it, don't like... don't know how to skip these ads. Well, how long of an ad are we talking about here? Ooh, they'll probably run through about three. <clears throat> so maybe it's Microsoft Azure and... Why is Azure uh, ad... Like, what do they have to gain by advertising on podcasts? I don't get it. Well, it's NPR, so... Oh, okay. A lot of people listen. I don't know. I Look... It depends on the issue is that, and this is going to tie into like maybe a quick conversation we can have about um, the how nobody's learning their lessons about streaming content. But if there are ads, I don't mind a couple of ads here and there, you know, and I don't even hear them. Like I watch Joe Rogan on YouTube and there are yeah. no ads. But if you were listening to his podcast, I think he starts talking about something at the beginning. Always at the beginning. Always at the beginning. And I think that's it. I don't know if there's anything in the middle on any of those, if they cut it in or if there's something at the end. I, I've never seen so. But it's so unobtrusive. Like, how can you get upset about that? And back when I used to, like, my brother was a big fan of Mark Marin, the WTF podcast. Yep. I listened to a couple of episodes, and I think he would talk about it at the beginning, and he would go on. And a lot of these guys do their ads kind of right, like you're saying, like, get it over Free with at the start, in, yep. and then they're they're done with it. Maybe something in the middle. But, it, but speaking of the ads, it's like... Um, it's one of the reasons why network TV is so impossible to watch because the average content or ad, average show is like 38 minutes long and the rest of that is commercials and they're so frequent that like when Walking Dead was, it's still on, but I don't know how anyone watches on TV live or when it's being like actually broadcast because you have maybe 10 minutes, if you're lucky, of actual content and then like commercials for Lincolns and other things. Like how are you supposed to maintain, like if you're telling a story, imagine sitting around a campfire you're telling this ghost story. Well, we'll imagine it's the scariest ghost story ever told. And every 10 minutes you stop and you turn on the lights and you start <laughs> selling somebody like mattresses or cars. Or Get something. your hot dogs. Get your hot dogs. Like, how are you well, supposed to? You don't know the pain of Facebook videos because sometimes there's interesting content there, Jack. And always, if it's, if it's produced enough, mm-hmm. they'll put the ad right bam in the middle. <laughs> 
And as a rule, on principle, if I ever see that, I will stop watching that video. Really? And I really no want to know what happens at the end. But I will not do it. Your man has to have a code. tried to bamboozle me. <laughs> That's why. Well, YouTube's getting bad too with... Um, and because w- now you, at least YouTube can see where the ads are going to be. Yep. They have that little yellow bar and God forbid you're not watching with ad block or I know I watch, I listen to a lot on my phone because yep. if I'm doing stuff, I'll put my phone over here and I want to listen to it. And then, um, so then that's when I get hit with ads. If I'm on my desktop, you block origins, folks, highly recommended, outstanding. Mm. You don't see a single ad because it, both it, you, you're doing ad block and you block. Yeah. What's I'm scared how well, how much RAM your computer is just like eating up. I was, about it. It's bad. Anyway, um, I'm getting off track here, but uh, no, what I want to say quickly before we go on, because we've got tons of stuff to talk about today. Oh, yeah. Just like right. last week. We are jam-packed, folks. Um, Action-packed. So there was kind of the announcement. I don't know if it's out yet, but uh, Disney, we all knew they were going to do it, but they're doing their own streaming service. And if you are a Netflix fan, I think you should be a little worried because depending on what you like Netflix for... Uh, it's going to be going away. That if you are someone who enjoys the original content stuff, I, don't, I wouldn't be worried about that. Are you just saying that Disney will pull? Disney is going to. Why Netflix? would they have anything on Netflix? Yeah. So they're going to have their own thing, um, and you already have everyone else having their own platform as well. So you have like CBS All Access. I'm sure NBC has their own thing too, but maybe I could be wrong on this. But you're seeing this fracturing of the streaming services. Yeah into almost like these networks that have their own unique <laughs> programming like that you and you can't just have one of them you need to have a bunch yeah. and maybe someone will bundle them all together in some oh, sort of package, package tightly to, wound <laughs> you together. can't take them apart can't take them apart you know it's funny you should say that because i i saw a thing <clears throat> i saw a tweet today actually that says i would gladly pay 50 dollars if a platform just had everything i wanted to watch so that Wow, fifty. <laughs> I wasn't my tweet. But, I know it's like you know it just it's an expression of their frustration yeah, because yeah, yeah. you want to watch Game of Thrones, you got to get HBO. You want to watch you. this, you got to get Crave. New Star Trek, I think is yeah Crave. CBS All Access, but Crave shows it in Canada. Yeah. Um, Amazon Prime, that's another example. So you're right, it, fifty bucks. You know, it sounds like a lot, but if you had like if you Three had everything, you're there. Everything there, that's fine. Like rolling sports, charging extra ten bucks. Holy smokes, you you destroy everyone. But the problem is that nobody will ever do that. And yeah. so now we're in this. We're entering because this fracture. Things world. like Disney, which just it's gonna fracture it even and more. It, but it's it's that, it's one of these race to the bombs. It's like if you, it's kind of first thing I think of is there was a the kerfuffle about NHL players going to the Olympics. Yeah. And um, I saw it from both sides where it's like the, the greedy NHL says, why are we giving you, why are we stopping our business to lend you our top players so you can make money? Because the Olympics isn't this charity, like some guy with this raggedy hat just like, for sports, <laughs> let's do it for the sports. Like they, the Olympics makes tons of money. Oh, so yeah. it's a business for them too. So it's like, why am I stopping what I'm doing so you can have my what generates my business to lend it to you for something that you don't care about. You just want to make more business for yourself. Now, I'm not saying there's no, there are people on both sides. uh, The Olympics raises the profile of those players. Yeah, definitely. And if you're a player, I'm pretty sure you want to play in the Olympics too, because it's a big deal. But I don't know. It's just a good example of like, why am I, I I guess I was reducing it more to like, why am I kneecapping myself? I'm saying that a lot today. Why am I uh, hurting (laughs) myself to enrich you? What do I, for what purpose? And this isn't just rock capitalism. It's like you're, you are profiting from this. It's not like a charity event. So anyway, <laughs> Android's Dungeon is a show about complaining about <laughs> yeah, whatever network we services. Don't like. <laughs> uh, so let's get the ball rolling because this is a show about uh, movies, games, and complaints. Yeah. Joel, what have you been playing recently? Woo wee. Glad you asked. What do you want to know first? We've got a list. So let's start cr- uh, chronologically. Okay, so last week I was uh, I was out and I managed to get in a nice long game of Power Grid, and <clears throat> you know all about AP, and this was no exception. I gotta say, each player probably took about five minutes, three to five minutes to make each decision. I was born in the AP, molded by it. <laughs> so what's AP, Jack? It depends who you talk to. I always say um, analysis paralysis, but yeah. I think there's something else that 
action points maybe, but action no, paralysis. Yeah, analysis paralysis yeah. is uh, exactly what I was going. Basically, for. when somebody's sitting there, usually Jack, and who's it's like somebody threw a flashbang in my brain, flash bang into my brain, and I, there's too many things to choose from, and I can't just focus on one thing. So some games are worse than others. The less I know about a game, the more I'm prone to APing. Yeah, but uh, friends of mine absolutely love Power Grid. They insisted we play. Um, I'm surprised at the I'm ha- that, I was though. happy to bring it out because it was only my second game. Oh, really? Um, and much like Istanbul. Istanbul is really bad for AP, I think. I had a perfect record. Oh. <laughs> but unlike Istanbul, in this case, it didn't take a terrible expansion with letters and seals <laughs> to break my record and bring me crashing down to earth into last place. Uh-huh. <laughs> So I got I was behind and I just stayed behind all game and mm-hmm. you know that power grid <clears throat> of all games and I think this is probably your main issue with it is the king of having to math out your moves it's pure math and that can take time. Well, it's almost like just hand, look it, who's going to do it? How good are they at like uh, table napkin math and yeah. just take a calculator, get your phone out and just do it. So yeah, for me I was just kind of. Eh, this will probably be good enough. It'll probably be fine. And then I get to the end and I'm, oh, I can't, I can't buy the resources yeah. to power my power plants. Or I can't build the build, city and that's, buy the resources there you go. or something, you know. So people who don't know, Power Power Grid is this game has been around for a while. I feel like, Joel, can you, Jamie, can you pull up how old Power Grid Jamie, is? Jamie, bring that up, would you? Um, and it's Let's all about, it. it's it's very dry, mathy Euro game by Friedman Fries. And uh, you're basically, there are tons of expansion maps for it. But you're buying power plants and each one, you, you do an auction at the beginning, which is fun and they're different types generate different amounts of power and they take different resources and you can have gas powered plants coal powered plants nuclear um, wind power and then the second part of the auction is you have to buy your uh, then you go in turn order and you buy the resources and the resources simulate a market in which the when there's tons of them they're fa- they're plentiful and they're cheap but as resources are gobbled up they get more expensive and harder to get so it depends on how desperate you are to power your plants and the problem is that you need to power your plants to in- generate income and the second part of the game, or third part, I guess, is you have to build, you expand your networks of power plants or power grid. So there's this lovely map that reminds me of Concordia a lot, actually. Yeah. And, and I think it's two-sided. Oh, yeah, definitely. America one side and... Europe? I think it's a state, or maybe just New York. So, like, yeah. The state of New York. There are, you can buy expansion maps for it, too. And um, then you move out, and it costs you money to move into these new cities. And there's extra fees for distance or special shortcuts and stuff too. But if you're the second, third, fourth person there, it costs even more money. So there's this, there's this. It is such a wonderful game, but it's. I don't know if it's fun to play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I don't know. That's a good. That's a good way of putting it. I really respect Power Grid. Yeah. Uh, don't know if I have fun. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a definitely a thinking game, and if if you like that kind of thing, you'll love it. So what? How did the game go? Good. Uh, probably it was basically between two people the whole game. Yeah. And that's one of those things about Power Grid and other games like that is that you get behind, you stay behind. Um, because it's uh, the more plans you have, the more income you generate, the more stuff you can do on the next round. And Power Grid also does something interesting with the first player. And uh, there was a big discussion going on. I hadn't played a lot in a while enough to really appreciate it. But the first player is at a disadvantage in a yeah. lot of the times. And people are saying it's a blue shell of the game because it's like if you're doing well enough to be in first because people deliberately kind of like drag their feet just to stay behind one mm. person so that they can have the... It makes sense. Cause basically, if you're doing the best, you're the first to bid. Mm-hmm. Everybody else has the option to bid on that. And then once somebody has a plant, they can't bid anymore. So once you get three people having bid, the fourth person can straight up bid anything they want and just take it. Yeah. So if you're in last place, you get any option you want. Uh, you don't pay any extra, and then you also get to place first and build first, mm. or take resources first, build first. You get the cheapest resources. Do you get to build first too? Yeah, hmm. and then you also get uh, the first di- first crack at whatever expansion you want to do. Yeah. Anyway, Power Grid. It's if you if you haven't played it before, give it a shot. I don't know if you'll everyone will enjoy it. And it, but the theme is very dry, and like we've, we've been, in case you haven't figured it out, it's very mathy because you need to have specific amount of cash on hand to move forward. And if you've misplayed it in any way, you're gonna find you're gonna have a bad time. Gonna but have a bad time. Gonna yeah. have a bad time. All right, Power Grid, great. Power Grid was good. Then we played a little bit, quick bit of Coup. We can probably just skip through Coup. Coup is a lot of fun. Uh, Pure chip if you taking. You want to just waste some time. Yeah. 
Then we played The Last Escape Room. And I want to talk quickly Here about we go. this. Which one was um, it? So this was Sunken Treasure. Uh, the Castle. Remember we played The Castle and it was really hard and it had a rating of four? The Sunken Treasure has a challenge rating of two. It is easier than any other game we've played. And it f- played almost like an introduction to the genre. Interesting. Um, the clues went from... A to B to C to D in perfect order. And each page of the book was the next puzzle. So in comparison to uh, in every other one, it's not it's not linear. You're going to grab the book and you're going to look at it. And then you're going to be you're going to stare at something on the first page. Like "Mm -mm." not you look at that, not looking at that, not looking at that. Okay, here's something that relates to this puzzle. So you're saying it was just like, on page one, this will correspond to let a clue card yeah. A. You weren't even allowed to look ahead. Oh, in the book. You did one, two. You solved that. You said, okay, you can turn to page three and four. Wow. So it was it was set out for you. It was exactly, you knew exactly what you needed, which is another thing is sometimes you get clues uh, from the other games yeah. and they might not even apply anymore. You might not even have the material you need yeah. in order to solve the puzzle, and you just have to figure that out on your own. In mm-hmm. this one, it was very clear because you got exactly the clues that you needed for the next page. Interesting. So how long did it take to finish then, if it was as easy as you're describing? Just over an hour. Interesting. So yeah. it still took a significant amount of time then. Yeah. Yeah, there were still uh, some fairly tough ones, but almost every single one of them was a spatial uh, puzzle. So it was like mm. one of those follow these lines and it'll turn into a number okay and then obviously there's the i don't want to give too much away no, about no, no. the escape rooms but there was definitely something out of the box we'll say cool you know and uh yeah it was it was it was a lot of fun still but i didn't want to tell the people that i was with that this was easy mode well right? that's it's... Want to be like oh, you did you guys did a good job right? yeah well it, it's one thing if somebody's like sweating it's like, whoa boy barely got out of that one alive <laughs> and then you can kind of just turn and grin and it's like <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been to the castle, have you? Um, it's funny you mentioned escape rooms because um, at our Easter thing on the weekend, uh, Kayla's mom made an escape room uh, for yeah. her family in the uh, the basement of her her grandma's place. And they were doing time trials to see like every, people going in pairs and see who can get out the quickest. To put it in perspective, because you're talking about the ease, um, Kayla and I finished two minutes and four seconds. <laughs> The whole thing? The whole thing. And that's... This must have been made by her and not found online. It, it was it was an original design. OC. Um, and it was a lot of fun. But immediately after we were done, Kayla and I were like, oh, boy, that was really cool. But we were both, we can fix this. We can, we, and the problem is <laughs> we can that... make this harder. We can make this more difficult. And it doesn't have to be ball-crushingly difficult. Like, you know, we've done... Like, I've done two of the Chronos Gauntlet ones. And there were times when I was just like, come on. Come on. What is this? Like, it just felt unnecessarily difficult or like a... Kind of like these, the exit rooms do that in spades, but it's fun because you know where everything is. It's right there. It's, when you do some of the real life ones, sometimes there's these like non-linear jumps in like the room and like connecting something and secret yeah. passageways. It's like, really? Come on. This wasn't very clearly marked. And it's just like, it's bad design in an adventure game, which is what I always go back to. Like, I grew up playing all these computer games, like the Sierra games and LucasArts games, and there were good puzzles and bad puzzles. Yeah. And the bad puzzles were bad. And you just needed to know the sequence. You, and you just kept on. It just there wasn't was good. no indication of what it was. And I'm not trying to say that this escape room was bad. Everyone had a lot of fun. It was yep. just too easy, and it was too, very linear in the sense of, like, it was very, especially for people who've done these before, like, to pick up on these little subtle hints of what it is. But I, um, the one cousin who was there, I told her about these exit games, and I recommended her yep. to pick up one. So it sounds like I should have recommended The Sunken Treasure, because now it'll be my go-to as recommendation should be everybody's first i'd say because it really like just this? throws yeah. it down to you yeah yeah i would definitely recommend the second treasure to anybody that hasn't done one yet as far if it's your eighth one you maybe you can skip it okay interesting so you'd say skip it almost if you played them all yeah i think it was a little too easy fascinating very but that's cool. just because we've got seven under the belt we know the nature all of the, the tricks yeah, yeah. yeah all right cool so sunken treasure exit escape room yeah actually somebody was telling me uh they went to one in Toronto, and they had actors, real actors, in the escape room. I think the Toronto one's really not out of the park. Uh, one of them was gagged and chained up, and the other <laughs> one was like on the other side of the bars, and she had to pick his pocket without him noticing. 
in order to get the key to let the other one out. Oh, and then okay. she had to also make moral decisions whether or not it was the right thing to do to let this prisoner out. I like it. See, that's the sort of thing that, like, that's, to me, that is an evolution in the yeah, whole escape room. Really cool, I, right? I like that stuff a lot from the yeah. sound of it. All right. So what's so that, next? That summarizes uh, the cottage. last weekend at the cottage. <laughs> Did you get up to anything? Um, I'll, I'll jump in on one, uh, during last week and, um, it's been busy weeks, but we managed to find some time on, uh, on one of these days and, uh, um, and it came down to, uh, Kayla picking three games and saying, which one do you want to play? And it was between Scythe, um, Dungeon Pets, and I forget the third one, but I think it was below my radar and I just didn't feel like it. Hmm. And I ended up with Dungeon Pets. Haven't played in a long time. And Dungeon Pets is a Vlada Chavadal game. Uh, it's a sequel to Dungeon Lords. And what you do is it's a worker placement game in which you are um, adopting baby monsters and you are raising them every turn and fulfilling their needs. And eventually you um, you show them off and you uh, let them you sell them to other Dungeon Lords who want to adopt these animals. And it's this everything that you would expect in a Vlada game is present. This this the humor, the it's cute. the mechanics, everything there. It's adorable. And uh, as cute as it is, there is one rule that is the darkest rule I've ever read in a, in a rule book before. And it's not necessarily a rule per se, but just kind of flavor text. And in the game, what happens is you everyone can adopt animals, and there are three that are adopted uh, um, that can be adopted in the first turn. And any animal that isn't adopted moves into the second row. And that they've aged one sort of uh, season or whatever. Mm. And then after that, any animal not adopted from the age row is taken away from the game forever. And you think, okay, it's just been removed. The rule book specifically says every time you remove one of the animals away from the board, you mysteriously add some meat to the food pile. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they had to time it perfectly. Yeah. yeah. So Ooh. there's this... but the, your pets. The rule book says, don't worry, they've gone to a farm where they're going to live for the rest of their lives happily ever after. <laughs> but add some meat to the pile. <laughs> it's so dark. But it's a, it's a lovely, lovely game. And like it, it was a bit of a learning curve again because it's been so long for us since we played it. But once we kind of got one round under our belt, we're like, oh, that's right. That's how this game works. And the really neat part is that you have these... So the pets themselves are these neat little egg-shaped things. And you have, uh, you're spinning dials. And the dials have little symbols underneath that indicate which deck you draw from and different decks are different sort of uh, spreads of needs so one deck might mean that there's tons of food needs in this one this one might mean he gets angry really quickly this one means he has a, a magic problems and so on and when you're drawing these cards you're have to fulfill them so you're assigning them to all the monsters you have out and you have to hope that you've built a good cage. You have to hope you've got enough imps saved over to uh, play with the, mo the dungeon pets. You don't pets. know what's coming. You don't know what's coming. So you have to try to anticipate it. But sometimes you, you're playing it close to the edge. And you maybe you've used all your imps because you have worker placement aspects. So are you trying to send out all your guys to maximize your actions? Or are you keeping some at home? And it even handles getting more workers in a neat way because it makes you take an action to get everyone that you haven't picked up for this round and downward. But it's not like you are giving them for free a la Feast for Odin or other games. There's, it's a lovely balancing act, and it's not as tough as it looks, but it can be very mean and sad if you you just had yeah. terrible luck and you haven't played it well. Well, like most Vlada games, it's light in appearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not so light when you play it. Yeah. And, you know, you think about, well, Pictomania or... Yeah. Uh, and it's front-loaded, like all his games. <laughs> all his games are it's like, whoop, whoop, here's yeah. the game right here. Figure it out. Anyway, so that was Dungeon Pets, and uh, we had a blast. And uh, maybe it's time to open up the expansion. It's still good. It's still good. Highly recommend it. Dungeon Pets, yeah. Great game. What are we looking at? We've got, uh, we're at about 24 minutes according to the clock here. Very so nice. Why don't okay. we do one more here, and then we can do a music break. Let's quickly run through Friday. Okay. So Friday is all games we've played before, talked about before, but let's just rattle them off. Spirit Island, Gizmos, Chicago Express. Okay, so quickly, I, I'm not as I'm not as intrigued by Gizmos because I feel like every it's we've like there's there. there's a little everyone I'm sure had an okay game and it was like it's okay. like Azul. It's like Azul. It's like great. How did Spirit well, Island go? Spirit Island was tough. We played with the thematic map. Have you seen that? Yeah, I think it's on the other side of it, right? Like, yeah, it's a little bit harder. Uh, there's more areas, and the areas are basically more specialized. So I might get a whole bunch of swamps, and Stefan might get a whole bunch of deserts. Mm -hmm. You just got to deal with it, man. Yeah, yeah. 
we had the roughest start. Oh no. <laughs> we almost lost um uh, probably like three rounds in. Really? It was just out of control. Yeah. And then, you know, as the Clawed game progresses, you kind of re- you release more tokens from your character. Your character gets more powerful. You start playing two cards, three cards, four cards. Yep, yep. And all of a sudden, what seemed completely unattainable in these areas that were just overrun with like 10, 12 <clears throat> units, all of a sudden you're doing 12 damage to those. And you're just Holy smokes. Wiping them out. And the terror has to be currently like just all over the place. Yeah, so then the terror ramps up, and then you get the special fear cards, and oh, just just in time and just enough, and we probably had maybe two blight left, and then wow, we're pulling it back, we're removing blight, we're adding those again. Were we still in easy mode, by the way? We were. Yeah. <laughs> we hadn't added any scenarios. This is what I don't get about Spirit Island. Nothing. I don't get it. <laughs> Basically, I said if we do the normal map, we can do a scenario. If we do the thematic map, let's not put oh the scenario. My God. But we did do Healthy Island, Blighted Island, which is tough. Now, what's that So one? what that does is you get two each per player, and then once those blights are gone, uh, you add five each per player, but now your island is blighted. And so what this particular one did was Every round at the invasion phase, you have to remove one of your presents. Ooh. So it kind of put us on a clock where we were just kind of slowly dying off the board. And we we only had, you know, yeah, about yeah, 16 yeah. to put on. So after eight rounds, we were almost gone from the board. Wow. So we we made it. But I it can't... Was, had to t- it took fear level three and just removing one city because there were towns everywhere. There were people everywhere. I'm worried that Spirit Island might be entering <laughs> the, like, I've played it maybe three times. And I feel like Spirit Island might be at the level where it's it's too stressful to be fun. <laughs> it's just like, it's <laughs> like, wait, it's, it's like. tough, man. It's like having a meeting you didn't prepare for. Like, oh, no. <laughs> I have no clue what's the happening. The whole game, here. me and Stefan were just like, we're done. We're so screwed. We're so dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you yeah. pulled it back. We, we, we whipped it out. Excellent. And uh, all right. And the last was Chicago Express. I'm really intrigued about how, because you played it twice. Yeah, we've played a ton now. Yeah. So what happened the first game? First game, I knocked it out of the park with uh, complete control over red, which only has three shares. Somehow I managed to hold on to two shares of it for almost the whole game and nobody was bidding on the third share. Mm. And then I just managed to find a timing where everyone had done a bunch of bidding and so their cash flow was low. Mm-hmm. And then I did the bid for the third share of red and outbid everybody, took the third share, and then only improved red. Mm-hmm. Similar to what Seth did. Nobody decided to send red on a merry journey somewhere else? or No. I mean, once you get through the mountain, right, what are they going to do? So you just head straight to Chicago. Chicago's like a plus seven to your income. And yeah. Then yeah, it was just a cleanup. So everyone else did okay. Second game, people got wise, right? Like, I don't know. There were a couple new people to the game in the first game. So credit to them. Maybe they didn't know. Hmm. You can't let somebody control a company. Uh, second game, first thing that happens, <laughs> Red just gets bit out by three different people. So Red hmm. is useless. Uh, you know, various other things. So the, the one guy that just ended up dipping into everybody else's shoes, David. Mm-hmm friend of the show david uh was on recently he he ended up taking it pretty handily really just yep. by having a little bit in everyone's company yep do you have this is it cash on hand at the end that's that cash on hand yeah so also there's this thing where like you've got to do the math like okay so i'm bidding uh 10 on this uh currently i'm getting a payout of five but that could be improved so i could end up getting more uh, how many payouts are going to be until the end of the game? Yeah, it's funny because we were just making fun of um, Power Grid for being mathy, <laughs> yeah. but then it's like Chicago Express is just like that full steam ahead. Yeah, with division and everything. Oh, man, yeah. division is tricky. <laughs> get the calculator out. Just always suck. round up. And uh, spoiler alert, we, we use poker chips or something today, but I would almost just like pull out the poker chips in Chicago Express, stop playing with the paper money, and uh, just... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's it actually we played with metal scythe coins oh that's right yeah yeah how'd it's, that work it was a lot of fun yeah yeah we we're a little low way more satisfying than uh the monopoly money uh <laughs> yeah, even exactly. though it doesn't feel quite as yeah know. chicago express just increasingly better the more we play it and i still have no idea what to do <laughs> <laughs> that's you just summed up most of my games so whatever <laughs> all right musical break beach house space song stay tuned
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM, which you just heard, as I said before, unusually, actually. Uh, Space Song by Beach House, with uh, a lovely fan-made music video set to 2001 A Space Odyssey. More like Space Snoozacy. <laughs> oh, boring. <laughs> boring. Who's got time for that? Don't have time for that. Bunch of monkeys hitting stuff. And Stanley Kubrick should have quit long ago. <laughs> More like... Stanley Boo Brick Boo <laughs> It's Haunt <laughs> The Shining I don't know Woo. The uh, 2001 is I I think I've seen The last 20 Something minutes of it More than I've seen the movie <laughs> By far Because I've I am not ashamed to admit it I love the Echoes um, Mashup mm. um, And the whole thing it, it fits too well Joel It fits too well And I'm pretty sure it's conclusive proof because I, I, somebody, some nerd out there can criticize me or correct me, but Pink Floyd was originally tapped to do the soundtrack. I don't mm. know if it was for 2001 specifically or it was another project, but they were supposed to work with them and then obviously they didn't. How is it that when the, ti- the title card for um, Jupiter and Beyond comes up on in 2001 and if you have echoes set perfectly to go like the first piano key the ding, just as that title card comes up the rest of the bloody song not only is time perfect to the end of the movie but the beats of the song match everything going up this isn't this is beyond like the dark side of floyd stuff and here play or dark side, pardon me play backwards what <laughs> 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 you have to see Ozzy it Osborne. yeah yeah it's like uh, warship satan <laughs> or is that the led zeppelin thing i don't know yeah. you anyone who's seen it knows what i'm talking about it is not <laughs> it's not a lie it's not it's, a conspiracy <laughs> it's not a conspiracy it's as real as it gets Anyway, uh, from their album Depression Cherry, and I was telling Joel when the song was on that I, I haven't listened to Beach House in forever, but I didn't mind that song at all. And I guess 20, 20 million other people didn't mind listening 20 to 20 mil. Unless, like, well, how many downvotes? 3.4 thousand. So maybe it's three, about 3,500 people didn't like it. <laughs> Enough to actually hit downvote on it. Maybe they're pissed off. Boo! Boo brick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we... Um, when we left, we were discussing Chicago Express and a bunch of other stuff because it's been a very busy gaming Action week. Packed. Uh, for us, it was for Jack. It was a flurry of stuff at the end of the the week, and for Did Joel, you do it's any been... Saturday, Friday games? No, no time. All right. So before we wrap up with our fun-filled Sunday, back you know four days ago when it was Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, I'll quickly run down my Saturday games. <laughs> see what you think about them, <laughs> and then we'll go through. So it's another trio. It's Castle Panic, Hanabi, <clears throat> and hey, that's my fish. All right, so we'll we'll just gloss gloss over Castle Panic. We've talked about it before, I think. It's bad. I don't think don't I don't know why it. it exists today. It's like why anyone would. T- Maybe it, on the theme alone, and it, if people like fantasy. I just think like here's the thing. It's 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 funny that we were talking about Spirit Island before this because I feel like Spirit Island is a tower defense in the similar. It's doing what Castle Panic is sort of doing, except way better. Maybe it's like more heavy 
it's definitely a heavier game, but the exact same beats of a game I think are there and is immensely better. I would yeah. never in a world where Spirit Island, Island exists or Pandemic or something. It's just Pandemic, why would yeah. anyone play Castle Panic? But well, or I Star will, Trek uh, Panic. I'll make a confession. To, uh, now I have not confirmed this entirely, and I've deliberately avoided flushing it out. But I think that the person I was playing these games with was a certified LARPer. Okay. When you say certified, is there actually... Can you get a certificate? <laughs> I saw a bumper sticker on the back of their vehicle. <laughs> I think that's good evidence, Joel. <laughs> what did it say? Oh, this is some kind of society. It had a crest and... Uh, I, here's a confession. I've always been intrigued. I don't want to do it, but I almost want to just like... I want to show up and maybe just get, I'll take my camera and I'm just, I just want to see what's going on here. Yeah. Well, she was frustrated by Excel and she said she felt like she wanted to hit something with a sword. So Castle Panic, I suppose, meets that need and said that she does like to take her frustration out by swinging swords at people. Okay. So unless she's a sword-based serial killer, <laughs> um, I think she's probably a LARPer. <laughs> I don't even... I thought that's like... Isn't it all foam swords and stuff too? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Someone I know, um, friend. I don't know if friend of the show, but definitely a confirmed friend of CFRU and uh, a friend of mine, Karen Yu, LARPs yep. in, in England. And the story... LARPing in England would be cool. At least it's like it's in a, England. Yeah, it almost gives you bonus points right to it. But I, I want to know how it actually works because to me it just sounds like a bunch of kids like slapping each other and then like how are you supposed to assign damage or say it actually worked? Like, yeah. I know there's a thing with bean bags. I think if I there's nerd tears, you know, you're talking about the top tier. Oh, nerd! I heard nerd tears and it's like <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you hit me with the foam sword. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Well, you can drink those. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we had Castle Panic, then Hanabi. Yeah, quickly. Hanabi's fine. Uh, it's a very difficult uh, co-op not easy. game where you have no information about your own cards and everybody else knows exactly what you have. Yeah, you're holding them in front of you. You see the backs yeah. and other people see, and you can see everyone else's. But And they have to sacrifice time in order to give you information, which is either... Uh, whatever number of a certain number you have or whatever number of a certain color you have. Mm -hmm. And then you just need to remember all of that perfectly while at the same time um, discarding the right cards in order to get time back. Basically. Yeah, you're building the whole premise. Is the theme is that you're, you're Japanese fireworks. Um, I don't know, contractors or builders or whatever. And that's the, I guess the, the word Hanabi mean is something people shout when they like see Hi. a good firework. I don't know. That's that it. was a good one. I haven't learned that in Duolingo yet. So. <laughs> uh oh, you're going to get your beats. Oh, no. No, Duo. No. Duo. No, no, Jack is no longer with us. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I was going to say Duolingo. Hanabi. <laughs> Duolingo is a game about. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so and then we move on to the one that I have never played of but I've heard a lot of okay so hey that's my fish is a family game it's a really light game I'm gonna just do a quick rundown because I actually love this game it's ah! simple as heck okay but entirely strategic it is just cutthroat so here's a grid. cooperative no oh, okay all right so the, here's a grid and the grid is uh maybe 10 rows of eight tiles, seven tiles, eight tiles, seven tiles, all the way up. Okay. Uh, then you each take it in turn to place penguins on that. You have to, so some of the grids have, so some of the hexes have one fish, some of them have two fish, and some of them have three fish. Okay. Object of the game is to get the most fish. So obviously you want to be moving towards the threes, but you have to start on a one fish. So okay. everybody takes it in turn, places their penguins. Fine. Then the game begins where you move in a straight line, not going through any opponents, not going through any gaps, um, onto another hex, so probably one with three fish, and then you remove the ice float that that penguin was standing on. So while it was starting with a perfect square, eventually uh, it will be broken up into smaller ice flows. Are they hexes or squares? Uh, it's a square of hexes. Oh, okay. So you align it up seven, eight, seven, eight, seven, eight, until you have like a general square. Mm -hmm. 
and then basically what you're doing is you're cutting off your opponents you're trying to get the big symboled fish or the threes um and you're trying to create uh separate ice flows that only you are on Mm -hmm. so that you can go just go ahead in the end and just clean the rest of that up and it's fun cute and absolutely brutal i think the first time we played i managed to trap like four of her penguins in one corner and she ended up with like there's a total of 100 points so in Uh one-on-one it's like okay if you get 50 you're good yeah she ended up with like 21 points wow uh second game was a lot closer but it's just it's so much fun and i don't know why i don't know why i've never played such a light game could end up being so who publishes it brutal uh, I think it's Fantasy Flight. Really? Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I highly recommend it. I give it uh, 9 out of 15, 9 out of 12 delicious fish. It's it, What you're describing penguins. sounds delicious. And that it, it strikes me as like the mechanic of a game or of a puzzle of, that I would have come across in like some old computer games. <laughs> yeah. Like the idea of like you have to move something into a place, but you have to remove where it was last. And you're trying to maximize your points versus an AI that's doing the same. It's, it's. I swear I've played something like this before in like an <laughs> it's, old it's computer game. It's a concept game. that's out there, I'm sure. Yeah, that's fascinating. But anyway, so I, it yeah. sounds like a lot of fun. Really nothing more to say about it. Yeah. Play Hey, That's My Fish next time you're at a thing. It'll take you five, ten minutes, and you'll have a great... I really like these kind of... Um, it's almost like an abstract strategy, but in a, in a theme... Uh, Crocodile Pool Party is another one that I really enjoy. I've heard of that one. There's, and there's, <laughs> is there one with sharks too or something? Yeah, something like that. Oh, there's the Escape uh, from Atlantis, I think. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, I guess it's sort of similar. <laughs> like things are being removed. So yeah. I was going to say, oh, okay. So was, the whole premise of, hey, that's my fish. Yeah, it is Fantasy Flight. It, it was striking me as like, is this a Canizia? <laughs> it's like, because that's something that Fantasy Flight does, which is odd, is that they have this sort of, um, they they've republished or they published some of these Kanitsa strategy abstracts that are yeah. just like like samurai or through the desert and uh, I don't know if they do yellow and Yangtze but a lot of these are very similar in the sense of like it's a fairly it's a simple game but the I don't know if it's like maybe penguin simple of that style stuff but it's <laughs> like can be super mean and uh, yeah one of my favorite things and this is just a meta game thing that I made up is uh, every time somebody gets a cluster of fish or a fish that I was going for and cuts me off, I'll say, hey, that's my fish. <laughs> Didn't realize Curtis was here. <laughs> it's not even a pun. It's just like, it's, it's you just something. You say the name of the game. Yeah. All right. So, hey, that's my fish. Does that round out your... Uh... That's Saturday. Okay. So, let's fast forward to the day after <laughs> today. <laughs> I mean, Thursday. <clears throat> uh, Sunday. Before uh, we, Kale and I managed to get in a flurry of games today, and Joel was party to two of those. Before Joel showed up, we started Spring Meadow, which is the Rosenberg. I think it's the, I think it even has the number three on the side of the box. Rado's favorite. It's Rado's favorite. You have Cottage Garden, uh, f- uh, Fall Garden, something. What was it Reykjavik? Reykjavik, the one with the Swedish name. Reykjavik. Reykjavik, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's in the same series of mm. these, but I could be wrong. But anyway, the third one, whatever, according to the box, is Spring, uh, Spring Meadow. And mm. if you've played Patchwork, if you've played Cottage Garden, you understand how to play, for the most part, uh, Spring Meadow. But the premise is that there's a large central board with a bunch of randomly put out polyomino pieces. And you have your central board, or your player board, and you can put it vertically or horizontally, and it changes how things are scored. But you're basically, you're moving this signpost around the side, and you can only take whatever's in the column that it's pointing at. And as you take pieces, you put them on your central board. Now, a lot of these pieces you're picking up have little uh, perforations in them, these holes, because your main board also has these holes in it too. And you can cover them up uh, if you want, but you have to take a marmot from the side here, which is in Cottage Garden, you had the cats in um, uh, flower pots, and this one you cover it up, and it means that you have no points, or you're not getting points. But if you put the hole over the right place, you're going to get some extra points for those at the end. Um, and there's also this interesting mechanic where by putting pieces that have holes 
in them adjacent to other pieces that have holes in them you build this sort of chain of sorts and you get these bonus rocks that you can put down so mm. and it's a sense like if you've played patchwork you get your leather patches but that's only for the first person to pass them. in this case it's leather patches of varying sizes depending on how clever you were with placing these pieces out there so <sighs> that's where you end up with this extra level of sort of like you're like well this piece is going to cover more spots but if I take this piece I can connect them to these holes and then I can get some extra pieces to cover up these holes from the previous pieces and then you're scoring based on completed columns and the game's going so quick that it's over in like the box at 15 minutes is that what it said on yeah. it which is wild and it went by maybe 10 minutes I'm like oh lord I, I was still reeling when oh, like, by the time the concept itself in. is just giving me so much stress Jack not only do I have to <laughs> now place tiles in a way that makes sense but then also I've got to consider place all tiles. these holes within the tiles it's, and uh, little circles that I can put through the holes is there yeah well it's just like the little holes themselves it's like to be honest a little distracting but uh, in general the game here's the thing I think to be if you don't have Cottage Garden um, and you want to try something, I'd say maybe pick up uh, Spring Meadow. And if you and or if you already have Cottage Garden, try Spring Meadow and see if you like it um, enough to justify picking it up. I think it occupy they're different enough for us that I can see them being something that oh I'm feeling like Cottage Garden or I'm feeling like Spring Meadow mm. or if you're feeling crazy, feel some feast on your hands there, yeah. but. Anyway, so that was before the real, game. the real game, the one that all the rest are based off of. So, well, not based off, but anyway. Uh, so that was the game before Joel showed up or kind of in between you showing up since it was yep. really short. So then when Joel got in here, um, we decided to crack open another new game that's kind of was making some waves a little while ago around Christmas time, I think. Welcome to. Welcome to. And it's a weird title because they're supposed to be. It's supposed to be Welcome to, and then the name of whatever town. Because the premise is we're all architects, and it's a roll and write game in which there's no rolling, but there's card flipping, and Perfect. you flip cards over, and they correspond to the addresses, numbers of houses, and different abilities that whatever this I don't know set of cards are going to be providing. Yeah. And you have this lovely little. Um, piece of paper that's got this little subdivision drawn out and a bunch of other things you're checking off. And if you play one roll and write, you've played them all in the sense of you understand how things are going to interact with each other. You're checking things off and you're trying to improve and there's so many different ways to make your stuff good. But what's interesting about Welcome To is that, and uh, what was the game you were referencing? Um, the other one, the, uh, the, the was a German game that you've got at your place that you were, was crazy for a while? Uh, or so, Cubics or Quicks or something. Oh, yeah, Quicks. Quicks. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Quicks does something like this, but with Welcome To, the main thing that's going to be the noose tightening is that you can put uh, a number down anywhere you want in these houses, but the only rule is that you have to, you can never put a number that's uh, lower than your highest number or higher than your lowest number. So you end up in this situation where you're trying to balance like, ooh, 10. That's kind of tricky. I'm going to move it toward the edge of my subdivision over here. Oh, four. Oh, okay, that's clearly going to be closer to this side. But then depending on what comes up, you start to, start to sweat a little bit, and it's very difficult to put things. You're trying to maximize your bonuses, and there's stuff for putting bonuses for putting things over pools and bonuses for putting things in certain spots. So it just gets crazy pretty quickly. Mm. And um, I think that's the only game of that type that we really own. Even though I'd say, um, and I was thinking about this last night, that I think Karuba may have accidentally started a resurgence in these games because essentially mm. it's this sort of like, it is a roll and write in the yeah. sense of like, our, I flip over a tile, everyone else chooses it and you put it in your own place. Like we're all getting the same information. It's what you do with it. I really love that it's the flipping of the cards and not the rolling of the dice Absolutely. Too. It's uh, it's an automatic balancing effect in that there's only a certain amount of each number yep. that will result instead of a roll, which could be any number, any no number of times. Yeah, It kind of reminds me of a lot of people find it really popular to fix Catan with a deck of cards that is weighted in a similar way. Was well, that where a... certain numbers are more probable because maybe you put more sevens in, huh. but there's still a limit. Is that a thing people do? Yeah. Have you ever played it? I have not, but a friend of mine in Oregon, Xander, you know, yeah, uh, is a huge proponent of that kind of alternate to ro dice rolling. Fascinating. I'd love to hear what uh, Klaus Tuber thinks about <laughs> this. Klaus. I don't know. That's so weird. I, I can't even wrap my head around it right now. But that's sort of what a lot of these games are doing is they're trying to eliminate the idea of, like, theoretically you could roll the same thing every time and end up in this yeah. position where it's like, oh. But the cool thing about this was also the numbers aren't necessarily – oh, I got an 11, I get to do this. 
it's also in combination with what's the other Absolutely. card that came before it, yeah. which just gives you a special uh, ability or bonus if you use that number. So what did you think of it, Joel? I thought it was really cool. There's still a lot of things I want to try. Yeah. Um, you know, you get bonuses for matching a number to a pool. You get bonuses for uh, being a good botanist and, and making a nice garden in one certain row. Yeah. You get bonuses for... <coughs> Uh, fencing off, which seemed like really strong. Fences were incredible, but God help you, you got to work at that stuff. Because like, not only you get bonuses for the fences themselves, but also that's what the goals were. And yeah, that's it. There are goals the, out there, but yeah. How do you describe? Would you say like the 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 victory points uh, yeah. markers or something like you get points for fulfilling plans according to whatever this these three cards up? It was uh, almost indicate. like splendors, the lords. lords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. Yeah, and if you get them all, you end the game. And I, that's another thing I was thinking about. I was like, what do you think about this, Jack? What if you um, deliberately tanked your ability to play because you got a bunch of points early and then you just throw one down on the far right of one of these rows. And just end the game. And just say, oh, I can't go. Sorry, guys. Minus five points, but hey, I'm the only one that scored here. Seems really malicious. I don't know if that's the spirit of welcome too, Joel, but yeah, let's see what happens. The welcome. <laughs> and it's inexpensive too. Like, it, to be fair, like the components are, they're fine. Like you have a deck of cards, basically, some printed out pages and some nice player sheets that are unique. You yeah. didn't have to do that. So for 22 bucks, I am not upset at all about that. Uh, are you I, concerned about this? There's a lot of sheets there, but would you laminate maybe five of them and then get some erasable markers? You know, that's not a terrible idea. Like, I'd like to source, like, see whether... Because the game the game was featured on Shut Up and Sit Down, so they've sold so much of this. Like, I, you must be able to buy replacement pads for them or something. So, laminate them? Maybe. That's a lot of work, too. Yeah. <laughs> for the, I mean, I... Quick, so it didn't take too long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've done that with Comet before, just for, like, so everyone had their own sort of things to look at the what the power tiles and the actual tiles do to reduce some confusion. I suppose but, if you get really in a pinch, you could photocopy the pad or... Well, if we get down to the wire, we'll all start <laughs> worrying about that. So anyway, that was Welcome To. And then continuing the theme uh, from Welcome To. Real the, estate. Of real estate. Uh, we fast forward to, I imagine, current year. It's uh, free real estate. It's free real estate. We we played The Estates, which is the reprint of Neue Heimat, uh, a German um, basically auction game. And uh, this was, I had a blast. It's been a long time. It's been a while since I played something that kind of uh, was like this, which is a very, sh <laughs> it was much simpler, abstract and cutthroat um, yeah. little bidding game. Container feels like it's, it's like two friends going for a walk together compared to this, if yeah. you had to ask me. One of my favorite things about this game, before we even explain it, I'll just say, I'll just throw this out there, was when you're bidding on a cube and you know that the person that started the bid really wants that cube, you can offer them a really high value because you know that they're going to give you that money. We've gotten ahead of ourselves here. There's not much time left. But I'll just main premises. There are all these. There's you're, you're you're building real estate. and There are sections of the town you can build in. Initially, there's only uh, three by four, uh, four by three, whatever. Three by four grid of stuff you can build in. There's all these cubes that have different numbers on them, and they're arranged from there. And people auction them off one by one, starting at the edges. And what happens is the first person to win an auction for the cube puts it down. And they become the owner of that color for the entire game. So it's in their interest to finish these. And what happens is, um, currently, you just need to have the rows with their lids on them, which are the roof pieces, to consider these rows complete. If anything without a roof is considered incomplete, people can extend the rows to make it so you need to add more than five, six, seven theoretically all the way up to the end versus worth of uh, buildings to put in and there's tons of negative points that can be had and the values of your buildings are dependent on all the cubes there and here's the kicker too is that so what Joel spent all his money on this lovely cube there I buy the next cube and I dump it on top of his so now I'm running the show so Joel has to buy another cube and dump his on top of mine meanwhile Kale extended the row and now none of us is making any money because the row's not complete that's the estates kind of in a nutshell yeah. right there and you're embezzling money every turn. Yeah, you can you can take money out of the game if you want to uh, line your pockets. Yeah. And yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. It's it's tough, and the scoring was. It seemed really. It seems pretty tricky in order to finish a mm. row. I mean, there's definitely one row that's not going to get finished just based off the limit. Of yeah, the rules houses. of the. Yeah. yeah. 
or roofs. And the way it works too is that you can't, because it's when two rows are done, so one row is going to get screwed. Yeah, and and the thing thing about scoring is uh, anything in that row that isn't um, finished counts against you. Negative points. <laughs> and you can take that to another level and put a mayor on a row, basically double da- doubling down. And if it's negative, it's double negative. So it's a, it's a fairly cutthroat game, which is surprising from. Uh, most of those euros usually aren't that mean, yeah. but it's definitely one of those. And I think I we played with three. I'd love to see it full player max of five. Really get those cutthroat bids going yeah. in there. And but cutthroat enough that what were the final scores? I was negative twenty five. What were you? Negative seventy. Negative fifty. Kayla was twelve. She she won with four points. Four points. So that's a, that's a high scoring game folks, <laughs> of, of the estates. I. I don't know. I really obviously won play, but um, it did strike me. It did scratch that itch that container was uh, giving me the the first time I played it. And I'd liked it. It was fast. I was surprised. I was really thinking it was going to be super ponderous and kind of like, oh, God. Oh, we got to record. We got got some time. I think we were winging it, so that helped. Yeah, we are going quick. We weren't just sitting there. (laughs) Woo, that was loud. Time's up. Anyway, speaking of winging it, this show was completely rehearsed. We We got through every game. We flew it. We flew it. We did it. We did it? We flew through it as we did it. There we go. Anyway, check us out on Twitter, Instagram. Tweet us. Tweet us. 80 Radio CFRU. Check us out on Instagram at, I think, Android, Droid Dungeon Radio. I don't know. Something Coming like that. Coming soon to TikTok. Coming soon to TikTok. <laughs> Real short clips of games <laughs> spread over two hours. But uh, DJ thank- Khalifa just joined TikTok, by the way. <sighs> I got to leave. I got to leave now. <laughs> I think Khalifa. Wiz Khalifa? No, that's someone else. DJ Khaled, are you sure? Khaled. Khaled, yeah. The guy jet skied to uh, like Cuba or Miami or something. That's so dumb. Anyway, I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Thanks for listening. Support CFRU.